This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Hi, dear valued listener. This is Matthew from the M&M podcast. Before we march into today's episode, Michelle and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you, dear valued listener, for providing some amazing feedback on our first season. We record most of our episodes in the past, and so we've been receiving some really great feedback. And just on that, if any of you out there actually wanted to connect with us, we now have an Instagram account, which is at the letter M A N D. M the podcast. So that's M and M the podcast. And we absolutely welcome you getting into touch with us. Um, give us some word inspiration, tag us in any post that you think might be fun. And we really appreciate all of the support. Now, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to M&M Season 2. Michelle, welcome back. Matthew, I'm so excited. It's so, so excited to be back. Thanks. Isn't it wonderful? Um, and it's a little bit different this time around, isn't it? Yes, recording in absentia, as it were. So I'm on one point of the the country and you're at the other point. Yes. East and West. That's right. So I'm at the point where we were for season one. As you know, we used uh, the Kiwana Podcast Studio there, which was a wonderful space. And then Michelle up and moved to Perth, and which you did talk about in season one. You eased us into that truth uh, nice and gracefully. I've still cried and bleated about it quite a bit, but um, I'm sure this season, Michelle, you'll share with us some of your travels. Oh, look, I feel quite sure there's a there's a hell of a lot of Perth, a lot of Western Australia, so there's plenty to talk about. Absolutely. Well, um, we're really excited to be back and um, we're no longer in Kiwana. We have actually levelled up the podcast now, haven't we, Michelle? It's kind of like a, uh, a promotion really, isn't it? It feels like yeah. it. Um, Absolutely. We're coming from the On Track podcast studio in Nambour, working with Sophie now, who's helping us create this podcast and we're unbelievably excited to have her and her team on board and hopefully we can continue delivering amazing, mesmerising, throwback to season one, content. We could actually make Sophie the third musketeer. Oh, it's like we, there we go. we've been missing it, haven't we, Michelle? There's been a few times we've called each other up and just blurted M words at each other and then hung Exactly, up. that's right. Just just like vomit, really. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what are we doing on this podcast then, Matthew? What is it all about? So for those dear valued listeners who are joining us uh, for the first time, first of all, go back and listen to season one, how rude. But what we are doing is a light-hearted look at language through an M coloured lens. And what's an M coloured lens, Michelle? It's kind of a a musky kind of a a dusky hue. And (laughs) it's it's not at all L flavoured, not at all L flavoured or O flavoured. No. Um, We're a bit in love with M, the letter M. The letter M is the uh, exactly halfway through our alphabet. Mm. And it's a, a letter that, that sparks much Conversation, mystic, mystic. ooh. Marvellous, m- mesmeric motions. Yes. Yeah. And so in season one, what Michelle and I did was we gave each other some words, uh, various words of different, you know, meaning, context, all of that. 
and we go and do a bit of research around the word and then we come together like we do and we basically have a conversation with each other about the word. We throw in a Monday mood because Matthew's often in one and, of course, Michelle does have a moist moment. They're lovely, the moist moments, aren't they? It's not like a melting moment, though. Well, Not nearly as biscuity. Depends who you're asking. So to kick off today, I'm going to ask Michelle to please uh, let us know what your word is. My word, and thank you for throwing it to me, Matthew, is Moscato. 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 Moscato is a light, sweet, white wine, Mm. but it can also be rose-coloured. Have you had a Moscato before? I have. I'm not a huge fan because I find it tends to be a little sweet. It's a little too sweet for me, definitely. It's also too low in alcohol for me, <laughs> far too low in alcohol. I like my, my wine to pack more of a punch than the Moscato does, mm-hmm. the little light. Mm. Um, it's, it's a good drink to have at the top or the tail of your, of your dinner, so you might want to drink it with your oysters at the start of your, your dinner mm. or you might want to drink it with your chocolate mousse at the end of your dinner. And, and why is um, that, Michelle? Is it a bit of a pellet cleanser? Well, it's more that it's a it's a sweet complement to those types of flavours, whereas you want to go more your dry white wine for your meat dishes in the in the middle of your dinner. Right, or a robust um, red, of course, which is my flavour. A good a good robust red. That's right, exactly. Okay. Um, Moscato is a is made from an Italian grape variety that actually comes from the Piedmont region in Italy. Uh, the wine was popularised by the Romans while they were debauching. And, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the debaucherous rappers are now the people who are into Moscato. So it's had a bit of a, a resurgence in um, popularity over the last decade or so. Oh. I'd like to read you now, if I could, a couple of examples of hip-hop lyrics about Moscato. This is this is a, a gem from 2005 by Lil' Kim, whose song is called Lighters Up. By Lil' Kim, Lil' Kim that went to prison for a while and Lil' Kim that was a hot mess express for a few, a few good years. Is this the same Lil' Kim? That is the same Lil' Kim, that's right. I think there could be only one. I'm all ears. Still over in Brazil, sipping Moscato. You must have forgot, though, so I'm going to take it back to the block, yo. (laughs) Now, what I want to point out is that these rappers are not that worried about rhyming, right? Mm. This is from Do It Now by Drake. It's a celebration. Clap, clap, bravo, lobster and shrimp and a glass of Moscato. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. And finally from Kanye because... We always need a bit of Yeezy. Let's go. In 2009, he penned a tome called Make Her Feel Good and we do whatever. Hypno Christo, I mean whatever. Siraco Moscato, it do taste better. You know, I think maybe we're losing something in the in the translation because I'm a white middle class woman trying to do those lyrics. We definitely did, but I, I look, I really appreciated it, and I will Anytime. laugh about this for ages. But I have no idea what that last one was even saying. No, I don't know what Kanye's saying most of the time, unless he's talking about gold diggers. 
Um, <laughs> Which is the very first one. The very first exactly. one. Importantly, the Moscato variety of wine is made from the musket grape, and the musket grape is not to be confused with the musket gun. Very different. Very different. Yes. The gun was um, popularised, I think, by Napoleon and uh, okay. others who were warlike and short. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. And so this wine was popularised, you said, by the Romans when they were debauching. They were def- definitely debauching. They were debauching and they were enjoying the fragrant taste of Moscato, which is peachy, a bit, uh, it's got frisant, that's it, frisant, which is the bubbliness. Ooh, la, so la. I think I think that, yes, the Romans were particularly partial to a bit of frisant. If you go to the bar now, though, what you'll probably get is a Moscato diasti, which is even more sweet than just Moscato. Wow. And um, is very bubbly. Wow. So mm. are all Moscatos bubbly, though? No. No. no, they're not all white and they're not all pink. If you get a if you get a pink one, it's just got a little bit of red wine added. That's to what I thought. The white wine, yeah. yeah. So that's the one that I can handle. Like you know, when you're a lady that lunches and you go out for a lady lunch, I shouldn't be so yes. gender specific here, but nonetheless, and you want to have your wines, but you don't want to have your your merlot or your Shiraz because you'll be rolling home. I will tend to have a pink. Um, uh, Moscato because it has a bit more of the dry flavour, I think, because of that red wine tinge that you've just mentioned. It can, however, get you into trouble if you do drink too much of it. So these are some scientifically validated facts. One is that Moscato is the alcohol most likely to be in the glasses of ladies in certain stands at race days. That's one. (laughs) The second is that Moscato is without question the alcohol most responsible for most of the mess around the ladies' facilities at music festivals that are attended by people over 40. Definitely it's Moscato's fault. And finally, it's the wine best used on your Fruit Loops in the morning. It's fruity. It's the so wine that's used on your Fruit Loops in the morning. Are mm. you talking about when we've sunk into full alcoholism and we're now substituting milk with grog? Yes. <laughs> yes, we've gotten we've, 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 we've gotten confused and we've gotten to the point where it's well, there's nothing but grog in the fridge. Indeed, there's no milk. Milk, milk on Fruit Loops. Get out of it. You right. got Fruit Loops. You got you got to get got to have a Moscato on it. I wonder. Um, what, I wonder what happens to the texture of a Fruit Loop in a Moscato bowl. Like, does that? Oh God, yes, it would get really sticky, and it would. Oh gosh, yeah, so yeah. Sweet. You just have to chuck the bowls out of thing. <laughs> sweet, on, sweet on, sweet Forget on, sweet on, sweet. Start oh. again. Um, and and lastly, I just wanted to share with you that there's a wonderful drag queen whose work mm. is on Instagram. Wonderful. And their name is Minx Moscato. Minx Moscato. Now that is a drag name if I've ever dragged a drag name. And there are some beautiful, beautiful photos of gorgeous makeup. It's really, it's to die for, it's really. It's an art form for Minx Moscato. I think it might be really popular in Ibiza too. It's that kind of drink, yes, Ibiza. Mm. Mm. Right. I wonder if it's more popular overseas than it is here. I do feel like a lot of a lot of people drink Moscato here, but it also has a bit of a rap. You know, like when you're at dinner and someone, what are we drinking? And someone goes, Moscato, or is this just me, Judge Judy, bitch? <laughs> I look at them and I go, oh, Moscato. Oh. 
But there are certain brands that are at the lower echelon of the, they're at the bottom of the barrel in your Mm. BWS or your Uncle Dan's. Mm. Um, Lastly, what I'd like to do is just share with you my little ditty. I decided to write one because the rappers are doing it. So why, why not me? Michelle. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's how we could actually lead in. (laughs) Oh, sweet rose Moscato. Astride Affogato. Right there at the end of my meal. Your bright, sweet white hue has me craving you for the lovely way that you make me feel. Wow. Michelle, I'm moved. I feel like I want a Moscato right now and I also feel like I want to take you in my arms. You read that with a romanticism and with an effortlessness that has left me feeling moved. Thank you for writing. Eat your heart out, Kanye. <laughs> that ain't going on, Donda. Anyway, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that little that little peek into Moscato. That's a different one, isn't it? We haven't had a food Not yet, have time. we? No, we haven't, actually. I quite enjoyed it. Um, oh, actually, I said my last, but I'll, I'll quickly also share with you that there are wonderful cocktails in which you can put Moscato, my favourite mm. name of which is Giggle Juice. Giggle juice. It's just Moscato and Sprite. <laughs> just have it with your lemonade. Oh, it's like a Thank shandy, you. but they call it a giggle juice. <laughs> you don't want to stick that in your shaker, though, do you? Oh, oh make all, the, all of these cutesy-wootsy names, though, makes it seem like you're not an alcoholic, but then you're pouring <laughs> Moscato in with your Fruit Loops the next morning. You've got one eyebrow on your cheek, and who's that in bed with you? That's the slippery slope Isn't straight it? down. Not that either of you and I would know about that at all, Michelle. No, slippery slopes, none of those here, definitely. No, we just fall flat face first, just big thwack on the ground. Um, Michelle, if it's okay with you, I'd like to take your Moscato moment and go into Matthew's Monday mood. You should. And sing today, Matthew. Well, look, I thought about this on the drive here and I thought, you know, I've got a lot of moods, there's a lot of things going on at the moment, but really... I'm just so excited to be back here with you, Michelle. Oh, you're a sweetheart? I am. I miss you. I've been ringing Michelle quite often and texting her. You've been gone now for, I'm going to say, about four months, three and a half. About four months, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we did this podcast at the end of 2021 together and it was so much fun and it, you know, it meant that we got to spend a lot more time together. And my mood is just excited to be here with you. I don't care if it's virtual. I'm looking at you through the screen. She's got a cool guitar hanging on the wall in the background. She's wearing her 2006 Madonna Don't Tell Me to Stop cowboy top. And, Michelle, it's just my Monday mood, in all honesty, is excited because I have fun doing this with you. I have fun looking at you. I have fun poking shit at you. And I enjoy exploring language with you. So... I thought to start, you know, the the season two with my moods, it would be a nice uplifting one. And it's just that of excitement, Michelle. Can I boost your excitement by letting you know that I've just been reminded that I'm getting on a plane at the end of next week and I will see you in the flesh then? I'm going, dear valued listener, I'm going to pick up Michelle in uh, one week today mm-hmm. and I'm going to take her home and lock her in a room and keep her there. <laughs> Actually, dear valued listener, as much as I wish that that could happen, she'd kick the shit out of me and be out of there in five seconds. Let's keep it real. 
You wouldn't. Maybe she chained me down or something, I suppose. <laughs> For about an hour and then she'd go, I've had enough buy me out. But no, Matthew's Monday mood, my love, is just that of pure excitement. I'm excited to have a season two with you and I'm excited to see you and talk to you. And I, oh, miss, thank you. I miss you terribly. Well, the excitement is shared and I miss you terribly. Would you like to um would you like to maybe now tell me a little bit about your word too? Yes, you know, in keeping with Moscato, I'm actually mm. my word's a little bit on the um the beverage or liquid fluid line as well. I'm gonna have a little chat to you about milk float. Oh yes, go. Milk float. Now I'd like to start this off by saying that Dear valued listener, for for episode one today, Michelle and I did give each other the word, so I gave her uh, Moscato and she gave me Milk Float. And I love your handwriting, darling, but it took me three weeks to figure out it wasn't Mick Float. I spent three weeks Googling Mick Float. Oh, no. And nothing came up. (laughs) And I thought, this bitch hates me. She doesn't want to do a season two. (laughs) What's a fucking milk? Mick float. Like Mick, like Michael, you know, Mick float. It sounds like something from the Netherlands. I don't know. I couldn't. And then eventually I got the husband in and I said, why does Michelle hate me so? And he had a look at it and he went, you're an idiot. It's milk float. That's an L. (laughs) So you thought it was two two Ks, did you? No, CK. Your L L kind of looked like a C. Yeah, and I went, Mick float. This bitch hates me. We're off to a bad start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, I eventually figured it out with the assistance of lovely Tom and uh, Milk Float. So Milk Float is what I'm going to chat to you about. So we're keeping in the theme of beverage. So um, what is a Milk Float, Michelle? I'm sure you're dying to know. I am. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh, I just slipped off. <laughs> <laughs> the meaning of Milk Float, Michelle, is a vehicle specifically designed for the delivery of fresh milk. Mm, so I'd like, I'd like you, not Mick, delivery of fresh mix. I'd like you to cast your mind back to, say, the late 1800s, particularly in England, the United Kingdom, but, you know, generally in Europe. I don't think it was so much in Australia at this stage or the United States, but back then milk actually got delivered to you. So you didn't go to the shops or supermarket or 7s, 11s or whatever to go and get your milk. You would have a milk float man on his milk float, come by every morning and deliver your fresh milk in glass bottles. So that's what a milk float is. Originally, a milk float was a horse-drawn cart. So Mm -hmm. now that we're talking like the mid-1900s, I think it was first sort of brought about in 1845 to 1855 and went on. And then they still had some horse-drawn, but they switched to batteries. So they became an electric milk float. The first electric milk float appeared in London in 1889. Now, it had a maximum speed of 5K per hour. And it went for 45 minutes. So this Mm. was the prototype to Tesla. So, you know, everything Musk is claiming today, mate, we used to get our milk delivered this way. You ain't so fresh. See you later. Yeah, yeah, we've done it all. That's it. And the reason being that these guys used to come by early in the morning. And you can imagine after a big night of whoring, um, being a penny begget in London. You know it's what people did back then. They just whored. I feel like you had three jobs back then. You were either a dictator or a whore or a street scrubber. It's street urchin. <laughs> well, let's not say which one we would have been. I'm going to go with dictator for me. 
I had you down the chimney, but anyway. Anyway, so, you know, there you are. It's 5am. You've hoard all night long and the clip-clop of horses go by. And as we know, the clip-clop of horses, um, it's quite loud and they neigh and they whinny and they all these things. And so as technology moved through, they went, you know what? Fuck off horses. I'm trying to sleep. I've had a big night of whoring. I just want to have my milk delivered quietly. So, it became- so the whoring went right through to the point where they had... Batteries. I thought the whoring only went until they, they got rid of the horses. Wow. It still wow. happens today. We need to go to London. I didn't know <laughs> about this. Were they refrigerated? No, they weren't refrigerated. So the milk float itself, no, they weren't refrigerated on the milk float. So they were produced um, and it was very unpasteurised milk back then, right? So we're talking about milk that you really had to drink that day. So basically the teat was mm. squeezed, it was put in a bit of glass and off they went clip-clop straight to the horse house and, you know, you'd come out and make your, your nice English cup of tea out of it. Now, look, milk floats were very popular. Well, we're in, in London, it's cold. Exactly. That's another reason why they did them is because that – and they used to actually walk them to your door, right right to your door. They didn't actually make the people come out to the milk float. You would have it delivered to your door. Now, how's that for convenience? It wasn't like Mr Whippy. No, it wasn't like <laughs> Mr Whippy. And you really only had a day for your milk to be good out of the milk float. Now, these guys were really popular in Europe, particularly in the UK. However, popularity has waned due to now milk being available everywhere. However, um, they were designed and coming originally. coming from almonds. Yes. And pasteurization and all the chemicals we now put in milks and all the zillions of, as you just said, almond and all the other millions types of milks. They were originally designed to be slow and quiet. I'm now talking about the battery-operated ones, not the clip-clop hall ones. And they were designed for residential settings without disturbance. So the original battery-operated milk float, I believe, could only go to 10 to 15 kilometres an hour. And so much so that the operator wouldn't stop the milk float. I've just dropped off at Matthew's house. I run back to my milk float, which is still going at 10K. I hop back in. Now I'm at Michelle's house. I grab my milk and I run in and it just keeps going. So the actual milk float delivery man had quite the job. The milk float itself had sliding doors, but most of them had no doors for easy access. And that's so that he could grab, run to the whore's door and then run back, grab the milk. You don't want to get caught in the door when you've got your vehicle going without you too. You've got to sort of... Yeah, yeah, in and out quickly. And they were rechargeable, so they would get about four hours out of it, and then they, which is enough to do one district in the UK, whatever, and then they would go and plug it in, and by then, you know, everyone had their milk, the horse were having their afternoon nap, and, um, you know, we were getting – we were all enjoying a nice yeah. frothy of milk. Now, today, Glasgow in Scotland has the largest working milk float fleet operating outside of a place called Grand Tully Depot, which is in Kelvindale. And the reason why these guys still operate is because it's balls fucking cold there. For six months of the year in this part of town, it's just so cold that people don't want to leave their house. So they actually still have milk floats operating here. But obviously today the design is quite different and Musk has probably come on in and tesla the shit out of all of it. And I'm mm, sure there's mm. a slightly different um, procedure that happens. Mm. So it was all about efficiency even back then. Um, I like the milk float a lot, Matthew. I think it's... It's an interesting vehicle. It's an interesting story. I like the idea that back then, you know, this was a way for people to get... Like, milk was a staple item, like bread and, you know, the the basics. And I like that, you know, they came around a way of of delivering it to your door. You didn't pay for that. So, you paid for the milk. 
but you didn't pay mm-hmm. for the milk float. You didn't pay for the guy to come and drop it at your door. And I just, a bit of community, you know? However, of- the, however, there are a lot of kids who are said to be the milkman's kids. So that's how that happened too, isn't Exactly. Because apparently the old, the way that the old folklore goes is if the milk float stopped out the front of someone's house... That's where mm-hmm. that came from. Oh, you're the milkman's kid because the car was stopped there. So any time the milk float stopped out of someone's house, all the other whores would peer through their curtains and go, oh, she's getting one. However, poor Kevin, the milk float guy, gets beaten about the head by Marge when he gets home. Oh, I saw you. You were parked outside. Just, no, I just my fucking battery. It went flat. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's when the horse Dreadful. clip-clops were actually better. Look, I'll leave the milk float with just some numbers for you, Michelle, because I know you like some, some, stats. some stats. In 1950, if you don't mind, 78% of milk in the UK was delivered via milk float. In 2006, 13%. So within 56 years, it had dropped remarkably. We're talking 60-odd percent. And then lastly, Michelle, in 2018, what do you think the percentage of milk delivered in the UK was? 2%. 1.5. Oh, gosh, I was really close. You were. Okay. <laughs> Surprise. And I think that's probably... Everybody else was going to RGA. Yeah, and I think that's probably Glasgow and that Kelvindale. I think that's <laughs> that's pretty much that little neck of the woods. <laughs> And everyone else has gone to Tesco. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Very good. So that's your milk float for you. Now, you know, I like the expression milk and I like the expression float. Float your boat. It's a nice little segue into your moment, Michelle. Mm. Michelle's moist moment. Oh, how I've missed these, Michelle. I've missed your moist moments more than I thought a gay man could. It's the point in the show at which we ask ourselves, now, what is making me moist? Mm. Uh, or we ask, oh, what's drying me out? So <laughs> today, <laughs> today, what's making me moist is live theatre, live theatre and its ability to draw out of your brain an understanding of what it is that you need to know about. So it will show me my unknown unknowns. So it will make the things that I don't know, it will make those evident to me. An example is I have recently seen a show in Perth because the Fringe World Carnival is on at the moment. There's a lot of great stuff going on. Mm, That's good. Oh, fabulous. And this show was called Two Marys. It's written by a local playwright, really fantastic staging in a old heritage building Mm -hmm. in Midland, almost theatre in the round, two women on stage, one Mary Shelley who wrote Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yes, we love a bit of Mary Shelley. Love a bit of Mary Shelley and one Mary Dodson. Now, Mary Dodson was a good friend and may have been the lover of Mary Shelley and Mary Dodson and Mary Shelley collaborated to organise for Mary Dodson to marry a socialite who had gotten herself pregnant in their region and uh, Mary Dodson carried out the marriage and stayed married as a man (gasps) to this socialite for at least a year, maybe a bit longer. Okay, wait, pause. I'm sorry because that was a red herring right there. So Dodson... Mm-hmm. got married to a pregnant socialite as a man. Yes, as a man. And Mary Shelley was all about promoting this and they may have been lovers. 
Yes. So Mary Shelley helped her organise her costumes and work out her walk. How did this... I know, I know. So Mary Dodson uh, was then thrown over by the socialite who had the child and started to have affairs. Did she know from the start? This is something that we'll never know. Did she know? You know, there's so many questions around this little story that the story creates more questions than answers really. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, so it's fascinating. I this can't believe it. An incredible um, tale of trans identity mm. in a time when we weren't really, uh, I guess, aware of it, and there wasn't much in literature talking about these sorts of situations. Absolutely, so, the words incredible. didn't even exist. The words didn't even exist back then. It was just this is amazing. So what this beautiful little piece of theatre got me to do was go and read about Mary Shelley. Mm -hmm. And what that led me to do was read about her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft. Mary Wollstonecraft really is the mother of feminism. She wrote A Vindication of a Woman's Rights. Uh, That was one of her uh, essays or treaties. And they really predate, well, anything that Gloria Steinem or other amazing women have done. So, yeah. So there you go. Theatre can really make me moist by taking me down a rabbit hole of knowledge that I didn't even know I needed to have. That is fantastic information. Yes, Mm. and I now now need to go and read some of Mary Wollstonecraft's work. Mm. Um, She attempted suicide and was resuscitated by resuscitation, which was a very new approach back Mm. then, yeah. Mm. And um, uh, there's a good argument in favour of maybe Mary Shelley having been turned on to the idea of reanimation and the Frankenstein story from her mother's resuscitation. Wow. Okay. Yes, I'm yes, just going to, that's amazing. And I'm just going to earmark to you that possibly one more time this season, your M word might be Mary Wollstonecraft. Yes, exactly. I mean, this mm. is just a treasure trove. I'm blown away by this information and I can't believe that this Dodson pulled <laughs> the old trans thing and, and married us. I mean, there's so many zillions of questions I have around that. I think that might be one that we might have to replace one of your words, please, Michelle. That's right, with Mary, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Fa- that is fantastic. That's why I'm moist. It's why I'm moist. I'm moist you too, darling. You've sent the moist all the way over to the East Coast. Well, it actually has been moist here for six months with nothing but rain and floods. You don't need any more moisture. That's right. <laughs> we are literally moist, let me tell you. Michelle, that concludes this episode of, of um, Eminem Season 2, Episode 1. That just flew, didn't it? it flew. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun and all. I really enjoyed hearing about Moscato. I hope you had a, learnt a little bit of a tidbit with Milk Float, which... I, I know, loved Milk Float. I thought at one stage maybe I should just come and go with Mick Float and talk about Mick Float for... <laughs> I would have been wondering what on earth you were talking about. I nearly did it. Trying to find a way of saying, what the fuck are you talking about? I nearly did it. I thought, no, I'm going to play her game. She hates me, I'll hate her back. Here we go, season two. sounds like the Catholics in in Mardi Gras, mixed Um, It's been a pleasure, my love. And dear valued listener, we're just ever so grateful that you're here again with us. We really appreciate it, don't we, Michelle? We do. So this is me and him signing off. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.